Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, April 28, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing for the last time from the heartland in Nebraska, Sarah Abbott. Well, actually, she she's not producing for the last time. She's producing for the last time from Nebraska. And producing from his new home in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in New York. Last night in Anaheim, Taylor Ward came to the plate in the second inning. Bases loaded. Here's the pitch. Two-strike delivery. He swings and lifts a high fly ball that's carrying deep out into right center field. And that one is out of here. Holy mackerel, that is a grand slam. And that was the sound of the Angels moving into first place. They win that game 12-7. to Bill Shaken of the LA Times tweeted this out last night. It's early, yes, but not counting the first day of the season. This is the first time the Angels have been in first place, and the Dodgers have not since May 14th, 2018. Some other news and notes from around baseball. Dylan Lesko, who's the top pitcher in Major League Baseball draft rankings, had Tommy John surgery, a source told ESPN's Kylie McDaniel. Veteran outfielder John Jay, a great pro, retired after 12 Major League Baseball seasons. He made that announcement on Instagram after posting a career average of 283 with 37 homers, 341 RBI, and 55 stolen bases. Alex Cora rejoined the Red Sox after recovering from COVID-19, and the Red Sox treated him well on his way back. Here was J.D. Martinez in the top of the sixth inning. Thornton's 1-0. It's going to drop in for a base hit. Here comes the run. Bogarts is in to score. J.D. Martinez off the end of the bat. And the right fielder got no jump on that at all. And the Red Sox lead it 2-1. On their way to a victory over the Blue Jays, the Yankees and the Orioles playing in the Bronx. And Giancarlo Stanton hit a milestone. High fly ball. Right field. McKenna back. Turning. Looking. See ya. There it is, 350 home runs for Giancarlo Stanton and a 2-0 Yankee lead. That was Michael Kay on the Yes Network. The Yankees win that game 5-2. The Rays and the Mariners in Tampa Bay, and Kevin Kiermeyer did it again. He goes, the pitch, swing and a drive, right center field and deep, heading toward the Rays' tank, and it's gone! Kevin Kiermeyer with his second home run of the season. That from 620 WDAE, Dave Wills. Marlins and Nationals. Jesus Aguilar got a big hit in the top of the third. 3-1 pitch to Aguilar. Is hammered a long way. Left center field. Back goes Thomas at the wall. Goodbye. Home run, Jesus Aguilar. His first extra base hit of the season. It comes in his 68th plate appearance. It's a homer to give the Marlins a 1-0 lead. Glenn Geffner, 940 WINZ. Marlins win this game 2-1. Pablo Lopez threw six scoreless innings in this game and lowered his ERA to 0.39. But the game everybody was talking about yesterday, Cardinals and Mets, we knew that something might happen. Uh, We talked about it with Xavier Scruggs on the podcast yesterday, given some of the uh, stuff that had developed between these two teams on Monday and Tuesday. In the bottom of the fourth inning, the Cardinals took control of this game. 
The 2-0 pitch, and that's it. Hard down the right field line, and it is fair and going to the corner. Arenado scores, and here comes run number two. That's Dickerson, and a triple for Dylan Carlson. And the uh, Redbirds tack on two more. It's 8-4 St. Louis. That was Ricky Horton on the Cardinals radio network. Now, J.D. Davis was hit by a pitch in the foot. No one was suggesting it was on purpose. But this was after, earlier in the series, four other Mets had been hit by pitches. So Nolan Arenado came to the plate in the bottom of the eighth inning. Here was the first pitch. First pitch from Lopez, high and tight, ball one. Arenado looks back out at the mound. And he's got some words to say. And now the home plate umpire, Jeremy reacts. Trying to hold him back. The benches are clearing. Arnado just shoved Nito out of the way. And now some pushing and shoving happening between the pitcher's mound and home plate. As these two teams have had a lot of hit batsmen between them. Arenado got shoved out of the way. And now Alonso's just been dragged to the ground near the first base side. Alonso is being held back, I believe, by Albert Pujols. And now the bullpens are emptying. Yadier Molina, who knows Tomas Nito pretty well. Both are from Puerto Rico. Nito being held back by Molina because Nito was the one who was thrown to the ground by Arenado. It was actually the first base coach, Stebby Clapp, who was holding Alonzo from the pile. As now cooler heads have prevailed, Buck Showalter's out there. The umpires are in the middle. And Yoan Lopez going high and tight to Arenado. He was not happy with it. Yadier Molina and Pujols are also in the middle of it. Just trying to calm everybody down. Wayne Rendazzo on WCBS uh, with that call. The Cardinals win this game 12-5. Uh, of course, after the game, everybody was talking about that bench-clearing situation. Here's Pete Alonso, who was dragged down by Stubby Clapp, the Cardinals' first base coach. I mean, getting domed up isn't isn't fun. It's obviously not safe. It's it's dangerous, and there's consequences whether it's on purpose or not. And we're going to stand up for ourselves. And I'm totally for standing up. Uh, I'm not just for standing up for myself. I'm I'm totally for standing up for teammates. But kind of what happened today, it just didn't make sense. The ball wasn't even close. And I mean, that's and then it, it's. Something got started for for no reason. It wasn't even close. I know it's a five run ball game, but like we're we're trying to come back. It, to me, this the whole thing didn't even make sense. Yeah, the Mets feeling like Arenado overreacted to that high fastball that was thrown to open the bottom of the eighth inning. Here was Arenado talking about that pitch. It's an unfortunate part of the game, but it is part of the game, you know. And it's uh, it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, they won the series. They played better baseball than us, and. Uh, it was good to come out with a win today, though. No, I just, I don't know. I just didn't like where it was at. You know, like I said, I figured it was coming. It is what it is. I just didn't like where it was at. Here's Ali Marmol, the Cardinals manager. When you come up top like that and, and jeopardize someone's career in life, yeah, I take exception to that. And uh, I don't think anyone in the big leagues appreciates getting thrown up top. No one has every right to uh, react the way he did and go after him, and we'll protect that. Here's Mets manager Buck Showalter. Disappointed that Lopez came up and in on Arenado? No, you would be putting words in my mouth that it was intentional, which it wasn't. What else? Do you think Arenado was out of line there? No. I'll let them handle their players. I know our player got hit in the head and went to first base. In a general sense, then, are you 
satisfied with the way that your club handled its side of things. Yep. Yeah. And I think that bar's felt that way too if there are two objections. Yeah, Taylor, that was classic Buck Show, Walter. Very passive aggressive. When asked about what the Cardinals did, he said, no, no, no. I'll let them take care of their players. I know when our guy got hit in the head, he just ran to first base. Talking about Pete Alonso early in the series. Classic Buck. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this is this is why it's great to have Buck back in the game. I love those little digs that he throws out there. Absolutely. All right. What else you got? Buster, a couple things to promote. Uh, first of all, the right time with Bomani Jones. That comes at you three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can watch them all on YouTube. On Wednesday's episode, Bo chatted with Monica McNutt about the NBA playoffs, including the teams that are the surest bet to win the Western Conference Finals. Also, I just came, just saw across the ticker, Chris Middleton out for the series against the Boston Celtics with an MCL sprain. I'm sure the low oh post boy. with Zach Lowe. Yeah, bad times. And uh, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse will be all over to that. So follow all three of those shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN, and she's an analyst for uh, the Dodger games, which, Jess, you got to do on a day-to-day basis. And you sent me a note saying, man, Doing this every day is different. How is it different? Yeah. I mean, honestly, just, you know, like when we're doing that one game a week, it's Sunday night baseball or it's a Monday or Wednesday game. I mean, you're spending five times preparing. You're watching the starting pitchers. You're getting to the ballpark a day early and just kind of have all this prep and energy that goes into this one game. And I mean, what I loved about doing Dodger games is, you know, just being able to get those reps. You get in and then wake up the next day, you do another game. The next day, you do another game. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is something I've never experienced as far as just being able to, you know, get right back into it. Like, you know, learning and, you know, being around the team, you know, that kind of access and, and diving in so much further, which is, you know, Buster, I always love to do, but 
I always feel like we get there, like, you know, when we're doing that one game, we start to get there and then we leave and we may not see that team again for five months. <laughs> so doing six games in six days was awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's the reason why I love being a beat writer, because you have that, you know, you have that uh, absolute sense of the day to day soap opera. You know, the the uh, the situations that are developing a slumping reliever trying to come back, a hitter is trying to work through some sort of an issue. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know, day to day, you know, the stuff that you're digging into and and you're right. You're not going to do that on a Sunday night game. Now, as we were getting ready, uh, with the podcast this morning, we have breaking news and that breaking news out of Atlanta, Ronald Acuna Jr. Being activated by the Braves. He of course is coming back from that uh, knee that he blew out last summer we saw him in spring training. He looked phenomenal. He insisted he was okay. The plans, Jess, for the Braves were that he was going to be activated a week from tomorrow. That was the initial plans. But obviously, uh, he looked so good on his minor league rehabilitation assignment. Their perspective was, you know what, let's put him in right now. And to me, I think of him as being the best all-around player in baseball. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. How is he not? I mean, there's so many great players, but just the fact that we've missed him, you know, and I think that just adds that much more. And clearly he's missed coming back and he wants to get back out there. The Braves wouldn't put him back unless he was absolutely ready. And there's been times, you know, when you're so eager to have a star player with his type of talent, when he's going to do rehab games, he was going to get a couple in the minor leagues and you're like, just bring them up. Let's go. You know, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, is that player where, you know, I am excited that he's coming back. And when I knew that it was going to be a week, it just felt like that was exciting because a lot of these cases, it seems like that always gets prolonged. If anything, right, Buster, it's always like, okay, it's going to be a week that ends up being, you know, two weeks or it takes longer than you think. And so the fact that we get to have like Christmas here already, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s back with the Braves is, is awesome. Yeah. And Brian Snitker was asked about, okay, when he comes back, what are you going to do with him? And he said, put him right back in the leadoff spot. I do wonder part of the conversation within the Braves organization about activating Acuna is about the Mets because they're playing so well earlier the, uh, early in the season with so much confidence, uh, you know, so far, you know, Mark Canna has got a on-base percentage close to 400. Uh, Eduardo Escobar has been terrific. Starling Marte, Max Scherzer's actually off to the best start in his career. When you think about, you know, he's faced 94 hitters. He's allowed one home run. He's averaging only four hits allowed per nine innings. So if you're the Braves, you're looking at the Mets saying, you know, we can't lose touch early with how well they're playing. Tell me what you're seeing in the Mets. Yeah, I mean, the Mets are doing everything you could possibly be doing right. I mean, they're pitching, they're hitting, they're all the all the things. And it's they're fun to watch. I mean, just seeing, you know, honestly, like Francisco Lindor being able to be the hitter that, you know, he has this big smile that he has back on his face. And to me, when he's playing right, then he helps lead the entire team. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think about the NL East as, you know, we've always talked about it as a division that, you know, has so many quality teams and it just seemed like, okay, it was the Mets and no one else right out the shoot. Like the Phillies were struggling, you know, the Braves had, you know, a bunch of losses early and it looked like the NL West, they were the ones with all the wins, the first to 10. Of course, it's so early anyway, but the Braves being the defending champions, you want to see them be right up there with the Mets. 
All right. So yesterday we had this bench clearing incident between the Mets and the Cardinals. You knew it was coming after the Mets had guys hit in the game on Tuesday. Pitch is thrown up by the head of Nolan Arenado. Uh, he thought it was too close. Uh, the bench is empty. Arenado kind of goes nuts. He winds up getting ejected. Stubby clap takes down Pete Alonso. What would you take on that? I mean, just, I think the emotion that we've heard and seen really like starting with the Mets, right. With their, you know, league high, was it 18 hit by pitches 19, and, yeah. and, you know, just the emotion that they've had and the frustrations that they've had knowing that, you know, most of them definitely are not intentional, but the fact that that's, you know, what's been happening, especially when pitching to their batters is, has been like, we need to pitch inside and to see Nolan Arenado, like, just like, it might, I get it. Like anyone who's been in a batter's box and has had something come at their head, that high velocity is a scary feeling. But then to see like the explosion of the benches, we see benches clear, right? It's always like, hold me back. You know, everyone's kind of out there, but it's like, they're almost like talking. I mean, this had an added elevation of, of frustration that you also saw for the Mets as they came out, um, you know, almost like waiting for that moment. No, there, there's no doubt. And how about the way uh, the way that uh, Arenado threw Thomas Nito to the side, like just grabbed him and tossed him to the side like he was a rag doll, uh, you know, ready to get going. And you, you get the feeling it's it's not the last that we see between these two teams. Uh, you've been doing these Dodger games uh, early on. You know, I, I think I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Bill Shaken of the LA Times had the note that the Angels are in first place and the Dodgers are not for the first time since like 2018. Uh, concern within the Dodgers uh, organization about Gavin Lux early on. What are you seeing? You know, my biggest concern, usually when we're talking about obviously concern with players, it's, it's their hitting. Um, and Gavin's been, you know, great at bats at, at the plate. And, you know, the defense is, I don't know if you remember Buster, but back in 2019, you know, when he was the, the big rookie that was going to get called up and in spring training, and even leading into that spring trading, he had 61 errors in 208 games. And in that spring training, he had a hard time throwing to first base. Of course, at shortstop, primarily there, a little bit of second base as they worked him in. But it was something that Dave Roberts had to address, something he had to address. They talked about him working on the mental side to kind of overcome it, which a lot of times when we see guys struggle to throw to first base, it's done. Like they're not going to figure it out or it's going to be a long time. Gavin Lux was able to do that. In fact, when he got brought up, I mean, it became a non-issue. And seeing like it was, it was the throwing air that he had with three runs that ended up scoring that inning um, in the second game of the series against the Diamondbacks. And then yesterday he had one where Freddie Freeman, I mean, was like Freddie, like doing, you know, golden glove, Freddie Freeman type stuff, jumping off of the bag, making the grab, getting his foot to come back and get the out. And you just saw on Gavin Lux's face, like what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, Cause these throws and obviously from second and he had plenty of time, they were never rushed and it just was like nowhere near the target. So something that definitely to keep an eye on, of course the Dodgers have so much death, but I'm not kidding. Gavin Lux coming into the season. I mean, it was an exciting, his at bats. I mean, what he can do, especially at the bottom of that order, something that they definitely want to figure out. Two quick ones. Uh, the Padres, Eric Hosmer, among the league leaders in hitting, what are you seeing in him? You know, I was talking to him when they were playing the Dodgers last week and two things. First, Bob Melvin. And Buster, you and I talked about this. The, the confidence that Bob instills 
with his players and the fact that he pulled Eric Hosmer aside before the season said, look, I know you have, your name has been out there for trade rumors more than anybody else. And I just want to let you know how excited I am that you are on this team, that I get to manage you, how much I believe in you and what kind of player and the caliber that you are and what you bring to the squad. And it's amazing, Buster, you know this, but when you're around even the best players, how much they need that, how important that is and how Eric said that he hadn't had a manager in San Diego ever tell him that. And you know, everyone else is thinking back like, well, why does he even need that? I mean, he's so good. He should know that. No, 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 no. When you're grinding day to day and you're in a sport where you're going to fail more than you succeed, you need those that matter most to remind you of the greatness that you've got. And that I think kind of helped kickstart the season. And then when I was talking to him last week, he was saying, you know, everyone's on me about hitting more ground balls than anybody else in baseball. And he's like, you know, when you're concentrated on trying to hit the ball in the air, he's like, for me, it messes everything up. My concentration is solely on just hitting the ball hard. And if that happens to be on the ground, I'm okay with it because guess what? The hits are going to come that way. But if I'm concentrating and hit the ball in the air versus hitting the ball hard, then I'm not going to be the hitter that I know I am. So to see him have almost that old school approach, really starting from the ground up, ground balls, line drives, and now the last two days, two home runs. Last one for you, Joe West, who's now retired, uh, was on WEI, and he was talking about Angel Hernandez's uh, much-criticized performance on Sunday Night Baseball. Here's Joe West talking about Angel Hernandez. They need to think the strike zone that they're grading him on in public media to the strike zone that's grading him in baseball because I called him and talked to him and asked him about what his score was, and the office said he scored 96. The media is saying that he scored 85. So they're off, and you can't have two different strike zones. Mm. Now, Jess, the, the thing that that absolutely jumps out to me is, uh, and I agree with Joe in this regard, there needs to be, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page as to what the strike zone is and what's actually being called. And I would push back to Joe if I were to see him in person and say, look, Joe, forget what the media is saying. Just look at how the players reacted. From the beginning of that game all the way through, they thought Angel was calling a lot of pitches that weren't strikes. Yeah, and I think that that's the most important thing is to kind of understand the biggest picture. Like, there's a lot of people involved in this, right? I mean, you can go to the electronics, you know, kind of assess, like, okay, what's the percentage of calls? But when you come back with just a number, and honestly, sometimes it's the attitude, it's how you carry yourself, it's how you react to the players, you know, your relationship with them. But you want the players to also know, look, we are evaluating this. And, like, this kind of production is something that we are going to work on with him. And this has been an ongoing thing, as we know. So it's even that much more heightened when you know you get maybe it's that one call or maybe it's just that four percent but in a big elevated game that four percent is everything and so it needs to be a further conversation is coming back with a number like oh he graded well we're good no like and joe knows this i mean he understands like how you approach players how you know being able to have that conversation include everybody is is so so important Yep, 100%. All right, Jess, thanks for doing this. I know you got kids waiting for you. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com 
or just stop by. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Jumping into the numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Emma, of course, is Paul Ambikides, a researcher at ESPN, who's on a hot show on the show, Get Up, and let's face it, today, Hembo, is you and I are going to talk a little bit about baseball today is about the draft, because Mike Greenberg is is like, uh, the he's the center of your life, and he is hosting the draft tonight. That's right. Greeny, however, did go to Vegas to host it. He's going to be sitting there right in front of that stage with all those crazy flashing lights and crazy football fans. I actually, for the first time in a while, am not traveling to the draft get up is you know from uh, from bristol today we got a couple we got kevin and l hosting from bristol i've been working on the show with them so i i'm I just, look this is just me letting greeny into the wild and, and see how it sticks and my guess is that he'll do okay you know he's done okay in his career um but he's going to be without me over there so hopefully nothing breaks so what's your guess i'm a vikings fan i'm just going to be here a little bit what's your guess on what they're going to do with their first pick yeah the vikings pick at 12 my expectation is that if either uh, Derek stingley uh, Sauce Gardner or Kyle Hamilton, the three top defensive backs in the draft are available. My guess is that you'll see them pretty quickly turn that card in because, as you know better than anybody, having watched that team, that secondary is dreadful. Um, it also wouldn't stun me if they took a, an offensive lineman, another uh, position of strength in this draft. If one of those top linemen falls to 12, uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they went there. That's the safest pick to make in the first round. And I would say between those two options, I think you'll probably have your man at 12. Yeah, I suggested on Kansas City Radio today that they couple that first-round pick with uh, Kirk Cousins and try to trade him to Kansas City for Patrick Mahomes. What do you think? (laughs) I think, well, a Kirk Cousins plus a first-round pick in each of the next, I don't know, 20 years might get that done. That's the question. The question is how many first-round picks in addition to Kirk Cousins would you have to give the Chiefs? I think it's more than 10, Buster. I think that's, <laughs> that's how good Patrick Mahomes is, and that's also how not good Kirk Cousins is perceived around the league. Okay, my thought of that trade, one first-round pick and Cousins for Mahomes, might have been the second craziest prediction or thought uh, that came out this week. Uh, yours was the craziest. Uh, you got Albert Pujols when uh, you won the award for the hottest take on a piece that came out on ESPN.com because you predicted that Albert Pujols might potentially pass uh, Babe Ruth this year in career home runs. Babe Ruth was 714, and Albert's like, what, 33 away from tying, 34 away from passing him? That's right. Pujols right now has 681. So let me just briefly. Before you go into it, I just want to let you know, here's what Jeff Passan had to say yesterday about that prediction. Yeah, Albert Pujols, by the way, for the record, Hembo, because I don't think that you understand how math works, which I never thought that I would say, but Albert Pujols is at 681 right now, which would mean he has to hit 34 home runs to pass Babe Ruth. And listen, when an editor asks for a scorching hot take, uh, Hembo will provide. 
Yeah. So, Hambo, what do you think? Okay, so here is my response to what I would describe as my um, my, my friend, formerly known as Jeff Fasson. Uh, he should stick to words, <laughs> and I should stick to numbers. I was asked to to produce a hot take, a bold prediction. This is not something that um, we believe is likely to happen. This is something that we believe could happen based upon a small probability. You know, I'm a student of the game. I looked at the leaderboard and I said to myself, you know what, Pujols is swinging the bat pretty well so far this year. He can pass Alex at 696. You know what? He can probably even get to 700. Not that far away from 700, of course, is 714. And so here's how I talked myself into it, Buster, briefly. He's played 94 games since the Angels released him last year for the Dodgers and for the Cardinals. During that time, he's homered in 6% of his plate appearances. That's a number much above the league average. He gets 400 plate appearances. That puts him at about 24 homers this year. He gets the 500 that puts him at about 30. Now I'm presupposing that he's going to have enough playing time required to get there. And I'm assuming that he's going to continue to hit at that clip. I'm not sure either are safe to assume about a 42 year old, but look, the dot-com editor asked, I delivered. And again, I think Jeff should stick to words and I'll keep doing my number. All right. I make this promise. If Albert Pujols passes Babe Ruth in career home runs this year, then Taylor Schwenk is going to streak across the uh, ESPN <laughs> campus. Right, Taylor? Absolutely. I'm game. Anything for the pod, you guys. Very nice. <laughs> All right. So give me some. You and I have been texting back and forth and watching the Pirates and the Orioles do what we expected them to do. And I thought about, you know, this idea of tanking. It's not only about, uh, you know, 2022 and not spending in 2022. For these teams, this has been going on for a while. It's been going on for a while. It's a pattern of behavior that started in about 2018, so about five years, and has really accelerated um, since 2020. So the numbers are loudest since then. This is really the third consecutive year in which neither of these teams has have made really any effort to field a representative big league roster. Over that time, Buster, both teams have played 239 games and have been combined to be outscored by 669 runs. But it's not just that that they're bad. It's how they're bad. Buster, those two clubs have combined to spend $237 million in payroll across those three seasons. Three seasons, two teams. 22 different individual teams have a higher total during that time. Max Scherzer will have earned 82% of what the Pirates pay their entire team. Mike Trout, 78, and Garrett Cole, 76. There has never been a time, at least in my lifetime, in which there has been a larger gap between the haves and the have-nots in baseball when it comes to on-field performance and when it comes to spending. And for my money, it is baseball's biggest problem, or at least among baseball's biggest problem, and it is unfortunately not a problem that was even addressed in the latest CBA. Give me the name of a player who impacts winning more than any other this year. Uh, well, I shared with uh, my former good friend Jeff Passon some numbers about Byron Buxton earlier this week that really sort of took off. So I decided to sort of pin those down and deliver them in the pod because people seem to think that right now this guy is as good a player, as talented a player as there is in the sport. And Buster, in some sense, the numbers do support that. We'll go back to 2019, Buster. And during that time, the Twins are 126 and 73 with him. They win 63% of their game. Without him, they're 15 games under 500. They win about 46% of their games without him. The difference in run differential is plus 239 versus minus 97. I've never seen anything like wow. this in terms of an individual position player. Like I'm not someone who believes in center field wins, 
but it is most prominent when it comes to their pitching performance. Buster, they allow 3.9 runs when he plays, and they allow 5.4 when he doesn't. That's the difference between being second and 29th in Major League Baseball in run prevention during that time. I think some of that is just randomness and noise, but we're talking about now more than three years of data and about 200 games on each side of the ledger that says, even if he's not the best player in the sport, he impacts his team's uh, position in the standings, I'd say, more than any player in the sport. Uh, as you know, uh, in the last uh, 15 years, a lot of front offices believe that the potential importance of the manager can be overstated. We talked with Xavier Scruggs in the podcast yesterday about the impact of Bob Melvin taking over the Padres, Buck Showalter taking over the Mets. What kind of impact do you think Showalter's had? I think he's on that short list buster of managers that do make a considerable difference in the standings. Before I move to the Mets, I just want to briefly provide an astonishing number during his time with the Orioles. But if you take the, the seasons from 2011 through 2017, that, 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 that is a, that is a five, they won 588 games with a run differential that says they should have won 562. Buster, they outperformed their run differential by 26 wins over a seven-year span. If there was a player in baseball that generated 26 war over seven years, they'd receive a nine-figure contract. It's obviously a lot more nebulous with a manager, but that is an astonishing figure over a durable period of time. As it relates to the Mets, I can see his hands all over this roster. Look, this team's good, and they got better throughout the offseason. But I just identified one thing sort of in each aspect of the game that I see Buck making a difference. The first of which is, He's providing his, an opportunity for his hitters to thrive. They rank fourth in baseball in the percentage of plate appearances with a platoon advantage. At 61%, he's putting the right guys in the right positions in the lineup. When it comes to their pitching staff, his pitching staff is the most important thing you can do, and that's start the count 0-1. Their first pitch strike rate is first in the National League at 64%. That's an improvement year over year. They've also improved their defensive efficiency year over year from 14th to 9th, and they're shifting a little bit more. Again, he's got some good players, but that's a considerable difference. It is most buster considerable on the bases. They rank right now fourth in baseball at taking the extra base. They ranked 28th last season. You can chalk it up to new players. You can chalk it up to a better roster. You can chalk it up to randomness or whatever you want. But when you're improved in all four areas of the game in such considerable obvious ways when it comes to sort of your attention to detail, it's very difficult for me to look at that and say the manager has nothing to do with it. What say you? Yep, I agree. I want you to send me those notes because we'll be talking about it uh, this weekend when we've got the Phillies against the Mets. Max Scherzer pitching on Sunday. What do you think? That's a, that's a good one. I was looking up these numbers in anticipation of Sunday Night Baseball. It'll be awesome to see um, Max Scherzer on the telecast. Obviously, I have uh, some good stuff on him too because I think baseball fans know it, but it is worth reinforcing that we are dealing with an inner circle Hall of Famer. And when it comes to, I guess, one other angle or element of the Mets this season, let me just say, there is just nothing more annoying than the Mets just crying boo-hoo anytime someone's hit by an 82-mile-per-hour changeup. Look, getting hit by pitches is old. It hurts. It's annoying. But these guys are out of control. But most of, I, I went back and looked, looked at every single time in which the Mets hitter was hit by a pitch this year. The, 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 the instances in which it was even potentially intentional are so few and far between. I love the unwritten rule stuff, but these guys have taken it way over the line already in the season. 
Look, maybe it's working for them. It's galvanizing that group. But there is nothing more annoying in baseball to me right now than that. Man, you just grabbed the steering wheel. You went into an old school rant on your own right to. there, Hembo. Nice just, by you. Yeah, after teeing me up on Max Scherzer starting on Sunday. Only I could take it there. <laughs> All right, Hembo. Thanks for doing this. Later, man. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Thursday. Quick note, before we get to the tweets, that Joe West soundbite, that was not from WEEI, that was from 670 The Score, and the show was the Parkinson Spiegel show from their second hour yesterday, if you want to go back and listen to the whole conversation. First up is Dominic at only for Schwink writes and hey Buster, I was talking with a pal about Kershaw being pulled because there's only 23 perfect games, and I said no, Armando Galarraga's game counts. I'm quote unquote wrong, but it's clear that last play would have been overturned in today's game, sealing the perfect game. Dominic, it's funny that you mentioned that when we were meeting with the Phillies manager, Joe Girardi, the other day, he mentioned that game and said, baseball should overturn the end of that game. They should just say, it doesn't change anything. doesn't change playoffs. They should just, uh, for the sake of Galarraga, for the sake of Jim Joyce, the umpire who missed that call and, and, and you know, admitted it immediately after that game. It was just uh, so sad for costing the kid the perfect game. Uh, you know, he, he said they should just overturn it. To me, you can't do it. Once you start pulling those threads, that is a slippery slope. Senzir, our pal, writes, and he works through one on here. He says, why are pitchers complaining about the ball? We're seeing all-time lows in offense. They should love the new ball. And he continues in another tweet. Pitchers are always complaining. Don't talk to me on my one day of work a week. Field a ground ball, please. Cover first and catch an underhanded throw. No, sir. Get on base. I need my jacket. It's chilly. I kind of agree with Senzir. Pitchers are such divas. I think a lot of position players, Sanzier, agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Grab that jacket. Amy Chapman is next. She writes, Buster Taylor and Omaha Sarah or Connecticut Sarah. Ooh, yep. Who at Major League Baseball should be dealing with the baseball situation as identified by pitchers? Is it Manfred or is it something that Theo Epstein or maybe new employee slash former pitcher, future Hall of Famer CC Sabathia should address? The buck stops with Rob Manfred, right? That's why he, get, he gets paid the bid bucks, and he's got the private jet. He should be telling his people, get a new damn surface of the baseball that everybody can work with and get into conversation with people at the union, meet with pitchers, get this thing resolved. If you've got a private jet, you should be a problem solver. So I don't know if Rob Manfred fills that box, but uh, Mr. Jakey RS is next. Small sample size, but would you consider changing any of your preseason predictions based on the first few weeks of the offseason? Overreaction time, Buster. Yeah, I overreacted in spring training. I changed one pick uh, before we actually turned in our pick. I initially was going to pick the Brewers to win the National League Central. Then I switched it back to the Cardinals. And I kind of wonder if they let me switch it back <laughs> after watching the Brewers pitching. Oh, my God. They're loaded with starting <laughs> pitching. Last one for the week, Max Moreno at Max Moreno 3 rates and Buster. I'm seeing a lot of balls that look like they're going out, get caught at the warning track. What are some players take on the new baseballs? We've talked a lot about the pitchers, but what about the hitters? Yeah, that the balls are dead this year. You know, maybe it's the the universal use of the humidor. Maybe it's the, the composition of the baseball, but there's no doubt. Um, you know, there's a lot of information out there that the ball is not traveling as far as it has in the past. I agree with what Jeff said yesterday. Like, come on, do we have to have this conversation every year 
about the baseball and it's uh, you, you know, the, how it changes year to year. It's kind of crazy. Can you imagine like it, if uh, that was in the NFL or if it was in the NBA where every year we're wondering about, geez, you know, the basketball is so much different this year and three-point shooters aren't, aren't hitting as many. Yeah, it's weird. It actually, two main topics we addressed this week, both the ball and officiating and having no repercussions for having a bad game from an official, like no other league messes around with these things. And there, there are issues, but I mean, these are things that are for the most part solved in other leagues. So Major League Baseball, get it together. Yep, 100%. That's it for today. That's it for this week. My thanks to Jess, Hembo, Saren, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner. Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.